Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And these are the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, season two, episode three, and now the news. Series created by Frank Mancluso Jr. and Larry B. Williams, written by Richard Benner, directed by Bruce Pittman. Original air date, October 10th, 1988. And we're back with season two, episode three, and now the news. I just found out at recording time that Kim isn't feeling well, so since I'm ready to go, I'm going to do it on my own, and she'll be back next week. The Cursed Antique from Friday the 13th Wiki is a cathedral-type radio that transmits valuable information to the owner after it frightens its listeners to death. We have a warehouse connection. Alex Karzes, who plays Craig Eddy in this episode, was Philip Petrov in the warehouse episode The 40th Floor. He was a regent and a guardian who wore the Ramadi shackle, and then when he died in the episode, the shackle and the guardianship went to Jane Latimer, if anybody remembers that. So this episode opens in a psychiatric hospital where a doctor is torturing a patient with a snake until she admits that she killed her father. I think she was just screaming the whole time. So I think what she was saying is that she killed her father because he put snakes in her bed and there were snakes all over her. You know you killed him. What did you do? Then we meet Dr. Carter, who's refusing to give a clearly agitated patient medication because he's going before the psychiatric board in the morning and she doesn't want him to be drugged. I realized here that Dr. Carter played Effie in the Quilt of Hawthorne episodes. Dr. Carter takes an old radio out of the safe. It's playing music, but it's unplugged. Later, we come back to Mary, the patient with the snakes, and her doctor, I didn't know his name originally, but his name is Dr. Finch, who tells her that she may be able to leave there one day. Like I said, I couldn't really understand what she was confessing, but it kind of sounded like she killed her father because he put snakes in her bed. So the doctor says since she was only a threat to her father, the doctor thinks that there's a good chance of her being released. So Dr. Finch leaves Mary in her room, and we see that the radio is in there with her. So Mary's doctor believes he's had some sort of breakthrough with Mary, and he believes that some of these patients commit crimes because of fear, and he thinks his research will help a lot of people. But back in Mary's room, it's lights out. The radio begins to play, and the music is interrupted by, and now the news. The reporter reports on snakes that are loose in the hospital. You return to tonight's musical interlude in just a moment, and now the news. Thousands of snakes are loose this hour inside the Masseo Institute for the Criminally Insane. They began appearing an hour ago and are now reported to have overrun a ward. The ward is reported to be in chaos, with staff unable to prevent attacks on the helpless patients. So Mary imagines snakes all over her room and all over her. Dr. Finch and the nurse come into the empty room to find Mary seizing. After they remove Mary, the radio ends its newscast, but not before giving a preview of the next story, which is how Dr. Carter discovers a cure for a serial killer, Craig Eddy. And that was terrifying. I hate snakes. Hate them. So I would be dead too. Carter. This brilliant psychiatrist will tonight be rewarded for her research by discovering a 
cure for serial killer Craig Eddy, a paranoid psychotic who hears voices which urge him to acts of violence. But until then, we'll return to our music. Meanwhile, Craig is still screaming at no one or at someone he's hallucinating in his cell. Dr. Carter tells Craig that she's air quotes, sending him away. So I'm guessing she told him she sent away whatever voices that he's hearing. It said he heard voices, but I don't know if he actually sees people or whatever. But apparently she's sending away his voices. But Dr. Carter tells him that he has to face it all on his own now. And just like that, she says he's cured. Back at the store, Mickey and Ryan get a response from one of their mailers. It's about an antique radio sold to Joe Damien. Anything for me? No, but... There seems to be an answer to the mailer. What? Somebody found something? An antique radio sold to a Joe Damien. When did he buy it? I don't know. This letter's from the lawyer in charge of his estate. He died a year ago at the Maceo Institute for the Criminally Insane. Committed on a Friday and died the following Sunday. He hung himself. Sounds like our kind of radio. Was it with his effects? No, but the lawyer's quite sure that he checked into the hospital with it. So they find out that Joe died a year ago at the Maceo Institute for the Criminally Insane, which is the same hospital like we were just at. He hung himself only two days after he'd arrived. His lawyer does not have the radio, so they assume that it's still somewhere at the hospital. So Mickey and Ryan head to the hospital. They speak to a nurse who tells him that Dr. Finch is in charge, but possibly not for long. I don't know why she volunteers all this information. That's not what they were asking her. He's being reevaluated because Dr. Carter is having all of the success with her patients. The nurse explains to them that Dr. Finch believes that impulse killers kill due to phobias from childhood, as Mary with the snakes, but he hasn't been successful. The nurse says that he's lost many patients, and although the causes vary, they all seem to die frightened to death. So Mickey and Ryan ask Finch about Joseph and his radio. Dr. Finch is curious about what's so special about this radio. And Mickey tells him that it could hurt people. And, you know, I guess I'm so used to Warehouse, how everything was a secret. I'm always, like, thrown when they just blatantly tell somebody what, <laughs> what they're looking for and that it's cursed or what it can do. That always throws me. But he won't let them look around. But he does seem curious about the radio, like maybe he's seen it. So Ryan decides to come back after hours to sneak in. So we see Dr. Carter is releasing Craig. The orderly seems concerned about everything that's going on. And I kind of thought he was going to eventually have something to do with something because he always seemed to be lurking around, but he doesn't. So another patient, John, asks when it's going to be his turn. Dr. Carter tells him he'll never be well enough to be released, but he might be well enough to be transferred to a prison. He threatens to report her and whoever's helping her. I guess he can hear this person talking to her all the time, and I imagine he's listening to the radio. So her office has to be kind of close to this guy. Well, maybe not. Maybe just because she's walking around with the radio. I don't know. So Finch talks to Dr. Carter. He's upset about Mary's death, and he also has news that Dr. Carter has been invited to speak at a convention next week, so I, I have to imagine, and it seems like he's a little jealous of her success. But he does seem leery of her and how she's making all these strides. He's also worried about the release of Craig Eddy. He knows there's no way he could be cured that quickly, or at all. But she gives him account of the patients that he's lost and leaves. That always seems to put him in his place. So Mickey drops Ryan off at the hospital after dark. She drops him off. She drops him off like he's going to the mall or something. And she says she'll be back in an hour. <laughs> after she does her shopping, I guess. So Ryan climbs the fence, but he gets shocked by the barbed wire on top. So that had to hurt, and he's 
he's probably never going to have kids now. Next, we see him on a stretcher with two orderlies wheeling him down the hall and calling for a doctor. The nurse goes to get Finch, who would have recognized Ryan, so it's a good thing he was otherwise occupied, but he's busy terrorizing a patient with fire. So the nurse goes to get Dr. Carter. But Ryan's able to talk his way out of why he jumped the fence by saying it was a fraternity prank. She believes him, but she's also kind of creepy about it, and lets him leave. Mickey arrives to pick up Ryan. He tells her he got caught, but he thinks Dr. Carter might be able to help them. So Mickey decides to go undercover as a magazine reporter to get Carter to show her around the next day. Carter's new news report tells her that she will cure Gibson, the guy who threatened to expose that someone was helping her earlier. This will guarantee her the Nobel Prize. And now the news. Famed Maceo Institute psychiatrist Dr. Afro Carter will tonight begin treatment of serial killer and rapist John Gibson. Achieving complete success with this patient almost guarantees Dr. Carter the Nobel Prize. Just tell me what to do. Back at the store, Mickey and Ryan search the books for information on what the radio does. Ryan discovers that Dr. Finch has published many papers on obsessive fears that drive people to murder or suicide. In the last year, Finch has published over a dozen papers relating to obsessive fears. Yeah, but a lot of doctors publish their research. But all these have the same theme. It's deeply rooted fear that drives people to murder and suicide. Now, that orderly told us that all of Finch's patients have been dying from extreme fright. Now, if that doesn't match up with a cursed object, I don't know what does. And you think that Dr. Carter might know something about Finch's research? I think it's a good place to start. Dr. Finch is the only person who has contact with any of his patients, and they're the only ones that are dying. Since it's Finch's patients that seem to be doing all the dying, they believe he might have the radio and that Carter can help them. Finch finally stops torturing the patient with fire when Dr. Carter comes in. She asks for his files on John Gibson, but Finch refuses because he's so dangerous. He also says that he doesn't trust her motives. He's trying to help people while she's just out for fame and won't share her methods. He threatens her job if she tries to treat John without permission, but she threatens his career since she's the one who's curing people. She tells him that his patients are dying because of him. Puts him down again. She always uses that on him. Mickey arrives, and the orderly goes to get the doctor. She gets surprised by a patient who jumps at her through the window. Not through the window, but he's in his cell, and he jumps up and scares her in the window. John Gibson talks to her through his window and calms her down, which is gross. He says he's not like the rest of the patients there. So the radio tells Carter that John Gibson's case history will be reported later that night after the news of another death at the hospital. So Dr. Carter takes the radio into the fire patient's room, and it begins to play. And the news story says the hospital is on fire. The patient freaks out because he thinks his room is on fire and jumps out of the window. Now, seriously, there's bars on all the doors and locks on everything, but he can get out of a window that easily. doesn't make sense. Ryan's outside and sees the patient jump, and the doctor finally comes to meet Mickey. Dr. Finch runs into the patient's room and sees the radio. So Mickey's interview gets cut short because of the commotion, and she goes out to talk to Ryan. Now, why is Ryan standing in eyeshot of the office and the ambulance when Dr. Carter could see him and recognize him? I don't know. But Mickey's going to go back the next day to finish the interview. Dr. Finch and the nurse go back to the room, and he notices the radio's no longer there. And the only other person that had been there was Dr. Carter. The next news report Carter hears is a report about the patient that jumped out of the window and some new information, that two other people have to die before 11.55, and she'll receive the cure for Joe Gibson. The report tells her that part of his treatment should be that the doctor should pretend 
to approve of his behavior and that he'll in turn lose interest in committing any more of the same crimes. <laughs> okay. Finch comes in to confront Carter about the radio. He remembers Mickey and Ryan telling him that it could be used to hurt people. He also remembered the original owner being Joe Damien and she was the only doctor to treat him. So he knows she's up to something and then he hears the static from the radio in the safe. But when he turns to open the safe, Dr. Carter hits him with a lamp. Now she gets him on a gurney by herself. He's a big guy and pushes him into a patient's room. And I think it was the patient that scared Mickey earlier. He had long scraggly hair and the patient kills him. We don't see how he kills him, but you just see blood all over the windows. But the patient kills him in full view of Joe Gibson. So someone pretending to be Dr. Finch calls the store and tells Mickey that he has the radio. He tells her to meet him in the Thompson wing of the hospital. But then we see that it's Joe under the direction of Dr. Carter who made the call. Dr. Carter tells Joe that he can use Mickey to cure himself. She gives him permission to hurt her, which is just what the radio told her to do, to give approval. So Mickey goes to the Thompson wing while Ryan begins to climb the fence. But this time he brought rubber gloves so he doesn't get electrocuted again. Although he should have worn rubber pants because it wasn't his hands that got electrocuted the first time over the fence. Mickey's wandering around dark hallways. I guess she knew she'd be wandering around dark hallways because she brought a flashlight. Ryan's still climbing the fence. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds and the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Gibson grabs Mickey and throws her on a mattress. Ryan is still climbing the fence. Mickey struggles with Gibson for quite a long time. Ryan has made it over the fence, but seems to have no urgency once he lands on the ground. Ryan stops to remove his gloves slowly and makes his way through the yard, trying to avoid spotlights. Mickey is still battling with Gibson and is finally able to knock him out with that trusty flashlight, I imagine it could have been a pipe, that she brought just in case she ended up wandering around dark hallways in a hospital on her way to a meeting with a doctor. Mickey runs off. Ryan runs in and attacks the now-awake Joe, but Dr. Carter comes in and knocks him out. They carry Ryan to another part of the hospital, but Mickey sees them through the window. Dr. Carter says that Ryan is now Joe's ticket out of the hospital, so they don't have to worry about Mickey. She brings in the radio and it begins playing music. Meanwhile, Mickey's making her way to the door where she saw them bring Ryan. The radio plays and reports about another accidental death, which will happen in five minutes. They're planning on electrocuting Ryan, so it looks like an accidental death. But Mickey cuts the power to the building, and Carter and Gibson go to check into what has happened. Now, this part I'm a little confused, because after the death of the guy who thought he was on fire, the radio said that was the first of the three people she had to kill by 11.55. So, she was going to use Mickey, but now they have Ryan. Oh, maybe Dr. Okay, so, okay. So Dr. Finch counts. Okay, that's why I was confused. I forgot about him. 
never mind. But the lights come back on, and Ryan almost breaks free. But Dr. Carter and Gibson come back in. They try to get Ryan with the electro paddles. I can't remember what you call them. But Mickey rushes in and pushes them away, which causes the doctor to shock and kill Gibson accidentally. Dr. Carter turns to go after Mickey and Ryan with the paddles, but the radio cuts in with another news story. The story reports the death of Dr. Carter due to not being able to kill the required number of people before 1155. We interrupt this program to announce the death of Dr. Avril Carter. The failure of Dr. Carter to effect the required number of accidental deaths by 1155 p.m. has forced this station to cancel its commitment to her. Can't. She will not receive the Nobel Prize. So Carter grabs the radio and is electrocuted quite hilariously. It was pretty funny. The newscast ends with a teaser of the next newscast, an offer to its newest listeners. We'll be back in a moment with an offer to our newest listeners right after this musical interview. So Mickey and Ryan bring the radio to the vault. And Mickey worries about how they're going to be able to go on like this and how their luck has to eventually run out. And the radio begins another newscast. Researchers have developed a method of recovering cursed objects without risk if certain conditions are met. Mickey throws the radio to Ryan and screams. And so we imagine they put the radio in the vault. The end. Both of us almost died this evening. I mean, our luck's not going to hold out forever. You want to stop? No. I know we can't stop. It's just that when is it ever going to get easier? And now the news. The story just in. Researchers have developed a method of recovering cursed objects totally without risk. Van says that these objects can be recovered quickly and rendered harmless if certain conditions are met. I like this episode. I do wish that we heard more about the original owner and what the radio was doing for him and how he ended up in the hospital in the first place. But other than that, I really did like this episode a lot. So I don't have anybody to ask if I missed anything. So if I missed anything, let me know in the comments. Otherwise, we'll be back shortly with the next episode. And hopefully Kim will be feeling better and she'll be back with us. Thanks. This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse. On Twitter at Eureka Warehouse and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for The 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912, free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.